The myth in the band looked like if the testicle had a butthole on it. Don't fucking try and explain a skater boy to me, okay? The young kids don't care for your jizz. They just want to hang around in their rooms and you're goth. Oh, ball sacks, he says. Jesus Christ, John. Roundup isn't a pesticide. It's an herbicide. What are you, crazy? Oh, well, I mean, weeds are a pest. <laughs> weeds are a pest. It's a pesticide, and it can kill John Leguizamo. <laughs> the pest. <laughs> it's a reference to a movie you didn't see and have forgotten about. I could never forget it. <laughs> have you seen The Pest? No. It's Actually, just... I've seen, I think I've seen five minutes of The Pest because it was on some station, and I was like, Huh, I like John Leguizamo. Watched five minutes. Oh, never mind. I don't like John Leguizamo that much. <laughs> Oops-a-daisies. No one likes John Leguizamo this much. <laughs> Sorry, bye. It's, it's funny because I actually also do like him. I think he's a great character. I love seeing him in, in uh, yeah, movies. Yeah, John Leguizamo is a great, great character. Great character as portrayed, as we have all known for years, by Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> by Scarlett Johansson, who just can't seem to portray what she is. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Scarlett Johansson. I'm going to portray this Latino man. Uh, <laughs> For decades and decades. God damn it. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, I wish she would stop. <laughs> because now it's going to make it hard for me to keep watching Avengers movies because there'll be all this backlash against her just being in them at all. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, even if for no other reason, you should stop because it's horrible what you're doing. <laughs> but also. But you're mildly inconvenienced me. me a white guy. You? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone ever. Look, I get it. You're a white woman, and that gives you some leeway, but I'm a white man, and you're making me sad. So <laughs> let's uh, chop, chop. Who do I who do I turn my privilege t- tokens into to get this problem fixed? <laughs> Come on. I've been saving up my privilege tokens for a while now, and I, I, was, I think it's time to cash in. I was planning to buy the white guy branded canoe. <laughs> <laughs> At a certain point, we've turned privilege into those Marlboro Man smoking ticket tickets that you can earn for like smoking too many cigarettes. Yep, we're like, I've smoked eighteen thousand cigarettes. I can finally afford this jacket. I got a Marlboro hat. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've never actually looked through the Marlboro catalog, but for, to me, I just can't stop but picturing it as like the sort of toy catalog you see at a Chuck E. Cheese. See, I always assumed it was like the Oriental Trading Company, but. <laughs> everything was branded Marlboro. Every and you get 144 of everything too. Oh yeah, you get just Ori- a gross of Marlboro branded <laughs> bouncy balls. <laughs> I got 144 cheap yo-yos with a cigarette printed on the side of them. <laughs> I'm gonna hand them out in schools. I got a whole bunch of these camel finger puppets. <laughs> Man, I miss the Oriental Trading Catalog. That shit was great. Oh, yeah, it was, man. It's, a, it's one of my favorite random magazine reads. If you find a copy, it's like, ooh, let's flip through this. Ooh, look at all this branded nonsense that I don't want because it all costs like 100 bucks because you get 144 of it. Oh, yeah. That was the best thing about my mom being a teacher is she would be like, oh, look, I got another one of these magazines. I get it every month because I am a teacher. And yeah. I'm like, yes, let me look through this. Let me beg you to get me something, even though I'm like... Oh, that, what is that, 144 of these things? Mom, mom. That sounds great. What I need is a dozen, dozen gliders. <laughs> I need it real bad. Look, this thing looks cool, and what I need is a shitload of them. <laughs> All I'm saying is keep me in mind for Christmas when you're buying finger puppets. You know I got 144 fingers. <laughs> you know how I do on them <laughs> fingers. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> Uh, for my my for my money though, I don't remember why I had this magazine. My favorite is one that just is a uh, catalog of cigars. 
That's very weird. It cigar is, aficionado? No, it was Cigar Aficionado. It was a review of cigars. Yeah. This was just a catalog of cigars for sale by a variety of cigar brands. <laughs> so and cigar it, monger? Basically, yes. And it's one of my favorite things to read ever because it's all these guys who have to write ad copy for the same fucking thing over and over again for hundreds of pages. This is another long stick of tobacco. And it's real thick with but, two Ks. But it's interesting. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you give credit to me. We're, we're, it's des- we're a writing team, sir. <laughs> sir, our jokes are co-branded. <laughs> I was the one who came up with thick with no Cs, and then you built on it. We're, we're friends here. <laughs> <sighs> Do you want to talk about this book ever? What book? <laughs> Wait a minute, why are we here? I wanted to talk about I thought about someone the... just turned a mic on for some reason. <laughs> you see, in this cigar magazine, uh, they you could also tell that they had a language that they were able to use of what they already knew that cigar wanters would want to read. Yeah, Huttees. <laughs> yes, they all wanted to read it in Huttees. No, it was fun because I was, it was all... trying desperately to bring this to <laughs> and, and I will absolutely let you after I forget, finish my cigar story. At that I point, know. at that point I will introduce us. <laughs> And then also start the review of the book or whatever we're supposed to do. I, I, whatever dumb shit. <laughs> but it was like every single one of them was a premium fine smoke'em. Like they actually used the word the word smoke'em over and over again. <laughs> you see now. Wow. Now you know why I needed to finish the story. Great. If you wanted a smooth, mellow smoke'em that's going to really wake up your taste buds, man, I do not ever want that. <laughs> It's a premium smoke'em. The word that people who have money to buy fancy cigars want to see. Ugh. Anyway, hi there. I'm Jeff. That's John. There and it this, is. This is the Expounded Universe wrap-up show for Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina, as edited by Kevin James, I assume, Anderson. You assume Kevin James. It's Kevin James and his friend Anderson Cooper. Yep. I think we already did that joke. It's possible. It's I'm, possible we've done every joke that can be done about this. I feel like someone has is writing that down right now. Like, ooh, that's the second appearance of Kevin James ooh, Anderson I'm going to put that on the big board. <laughs> Let's put that on the wiki. <laughs> Coming soon, the bonus contents. This could be us reviewing our own wiki. God, I wish we had a wiki. There's so many bits that I cannot even remember when or why we did them. And I'm like... Wait a minute, why the fuck did we start saying that? The, the thing that gets me is when people come up to me and quote in-jokes to, or or do it over the internet mostly, quote in-jokes to me that I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Oh yeah, someone who's working their way through the back catalog and they're like, hey, this thing, and you're like, what? Huh? Is that a, is that a joke? That's have not, I ever said that? I don't know. That's got to be a thing John said, because I, I certainly didn't say it. If it's a bad joke, it was John. <laughs> and if it's a good joke, it was John. <laughs> Jokes are from John. <laughs> Jeff just does wry observations and chicken recipes. <laughs> Jeff is just here to be like, "Did you see this in the news today? Did you hear this?" <laughs> no, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to be uh, Letterman's band guy. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he, he. That's wait, that's Letterman. You do that. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we want to talk about when it comes to this book, John? What did you think of the idea of doing a? Uh, what was that? an anthology, anthology anthology series for one of these review sessions? Um, I mean, I originally liked it. I like the idea of the anthology just in general for Star Wars because I think, honestly, it's better for most things because one of the things I've noticed with the other books that we've read is as soon as you're like, hey, you got to write an entire book, but you have to use these characters. Mm-hmm. 
They're like, ugh, fine. And then they just fuck those characters up because they don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen that. Oh, yeah, because every time you're like, oh, you actually give a shit about whatever story you're telling and not these people that you are contractually obligated to put in it. I've got so much to say about how rad Shizor and Guri are. Anyway, I guess fucking Luke is here. Luke, Luke gets captured by bounty hunters and sits in a room with bounty hunters. And next, then he- <laughs> ne- next chapter, he escapes. He gets- I don't fucking care. He gets out for the bounty hunters. That's why these chapters are short. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and in this one, not only is the whole concept people that you don't normally have stories about, but because it's so short and you're limited to just like 20 pages maybe, you have to actually tell a succinct story. So I was like, this is a great idea, especially for Star Wars. Let's do it. And, you know, sometimes you hit that mark. A couple of the uh, reviews were fun and funny for me to do. I, I enjoyed doing a lot of... The ones that were more connected to the uh, the overarching storyline seemed to be a little more fun. Ultimately, I'm not sure that I, I want to do another anthology uh, for the show because I'm not sure that... W- it was hard to build the in-jokes. Well, it's, it's really hard to have a through line mm-hmm. when they're only scattered uh, of the chapters that are actually connected. So it'll be like, oh, these three chapters all interplay. And then no one else does. You're like, okay. <laughs> that was a really weird thing that kept occurring in the book. It was like he was assigning it out as class projects or something. And he was like, all right, the back corner, why don't you guys circle up? And you're going to write about, uh, uh, let's see, the slug guy. Uh, one, of them's, one of you is going to write about this uh, this big furry moth thing and the, ra- and the bat. And uh, let's see what you guys can come up with. All right, let's go. All right. Uh, but and then you know Anderson of course was the teacher and he was walking through the room like vaguely skimming what everyone was doing and then he wrote that Jawa tale that busted everything. Oh yeah, he fucked up the entire droid timeline. He fucked up the Jawa timeline for the uh, the map guy. Yeah, it just ugh. And then right on the chalkboard in the classroom, the only thing that was written up there was predators equal smug about being predators. <laughs> because- Remember. Predators are proud of Predator. <laughs> They're proud of that movie. So many Predators worked on the movie Predator. <laughs> it's true. They were all there. Every single one of them. There were a whole bunch of like wolves and I don't know, eels and stuff just chilling Jesse out. Jesse Ventura. There was a Jesse Ventura there. You think Jesse Ventura counts as a Predator? Yeah. He only eats meat. Oh, no. He's a sexual Predator. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> uh- I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that about <laughs> Jesse Ventura. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Uh, no, he isn't. I'm sure he's a hideous, gross man. I'm sure he's a crazy person with hair that looks like a toilet seat cover. <laughs> I'm sure that he believes in the weirdest conspiracies. He really does. Yes. Jesse, the mind, the body, the soul, Ventura. Good Lord. Okay. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, you have some, for me, that I think were either good because they completely went off the reservation from everything like you know the uh the wolfman tale was good yeah I, I it was hit or miss on that for me go ahead i liked that i liked uh you know the panda baba evazon story even though it was mostly just the dr evazon see that story. was the one that i was i was gonna say i liked the the first the first one you mentioned that went way off the reservation the, the uh lax sivrak and and dice ibagon because it was fun and interesting but it was still you know star wars where the Ephazon Ponda Baba story is just Dr. Frankenstein in oh, a yeah. space castle. It's so weird. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, this is interesting that you decided to, in the world of Star Wars, put in that, yes, there is a Frankenstein out there and he is doing weird experiments. If there was ever a story that was like, oh, I've already got something written down. Let me just do a finery place on the names. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it was... <laughs> 
just real silly. I'm wanted in 12 systems. I've got the death sentence. And then when we actually get to his story, he's all like, hello, would you care for a spot of tonic water? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was hoping for something else, but it was an amusing read. I find a, I find a crumpet soothes the soul on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> I'm hungry for adventure. Yes, but also hungry for crumpets. <laughs> Jeeves, please bring forth some crumpets and, oh, let's say, peckleberry jam. <laughs> peckleberry. It's a Star Wars thing. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> These fleek eels. <laughs> These fleek eels are completely on something. Yeah. Point. <laughs> They're no. on meth. Yeah. <laughs> These fleek eels are on meth. Uh, so... <laughs> So yeah, the, I mean, we kind of are lagging the central thrust of of a core villain. Uh, you know, we don't have a Ferrer, a, a Hethrier or a Shizor here to, to rip into for an entire thirteen episodes in a row, nor even just a main hero to really follow through. No, I mean, every once in a while you'd get to see Obi Wan and Luke come passing through the cantina. Yeah, but it's the same scene over and over again. And even when you had a story and you're like, all right, let's follow this guy. A lot of the time, it would just be like, oh, he's a douchebag, and I don't like him anyway. I just, uh, yeah, no, that's true. I think one of my favorite things in this was how busy the the actual Star Wars characters had to have been when they were going through the cantina now. Because, like, Han was like, there were people lined up to talk to him or hit on him. Oh, yeah. Like, There's I, just, like, a conga line of people that are like, Han Solo. Oh, I've been looking to, looking to kill slash fuck him for years. I've been looking to kill fuck him forever. <laughs> I want to play Fuck, Mary Kill with Han Solo. <laughs> you have to pick three people. No, I don't. <laughs> Soup. Soup. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you, Obi-Wan's like real busy like stopping fights with the Force and, and looking at promising Force students and promising to come back and teach them the Force later and stopping random little fights and things like that. Just the entire... He's so busy when he's in the cantina, it's hilarious. Yeah, like, for that small bit of time where Luke goes off and starts talking to people or whatever, or, like, gets a drink, Obi-Wan is just busy. He is getting down to business. He's he is going to defeat those Huns. He's just piddling around in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just piddling around in there, just convincing everybody that there either are a Jedi or could be a Jedi. He's just They're just lined up. Yeah, and you know that it has to be Obi-Wan, because you can't really do that same thing with Luke, because Luke has to spend the entire first movie just being like, but Obi-Wan, you could have run around a cantina and be like, hello there, I see you're a Jedi, I'll be right back, I've got to go talk to him, he's a Jedi. (laughs) Take my card. (laughs) Here, call me sometime. Swing on by the pad. It's out in the in the dune sea. Lots of bones, dead dogs, you know. <laughs> Homeowners Association won't let me change the carpeting. Yes, these are our running jokes. It's hot there. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's funny because Obi Wan ends up doing a couple different things here because he's a character who's present for this scene. A lot of the stories lean on him as a source of either power for for a, a a goal for all the characters who are fancying themselves Jedi, or someone to be dismissed to show how badass the character already is. So you know your Danic Jerichos and so on who were in the cantina, like, oh, that guy has an antique lightsaber. Who could possibly care? I've defeated hundreds like him, and I'll defeat hundreds more. Soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the fact that it didn't focus a lot on them though like most people's stories were like i am centered around my own dumb bullshit and then 
like mm-hmm. in stumbles some stuff from the movie is mm-hmm. fine. Uh, I don't think there was much that was like, I am specifically looking for Luke or, you know, for Obi-Wan or whatever. I mean, you had a couple where they would recognize them. They're like, oh, I know him. He's an old hermit that comes by sometimes. Yeah. Or, oh, that's, you know, Baru's boy. Yeah, there was at least one who noticed that Luke Skywalker was a young boister farmer idiot, like a local. I kind of wished for a little more of that because you feel like Luke has to be at least a little bit. There's only uh, so many Dune Sea moisture farmers, right? So he's probably pretty well known as the sort of guy who runs with like, uh, you know, let's see, Cammy and Fixer and all those other like weirdos that are part of the Toshi Station hangout crew. Yeah, but from the movie, we know he's never been to Mos Eisley. That's true. He's never been to Mos Eisley, which is really weird. You'd think he would have been. Well, I mean, given that it's supposed to be like, what is this? Oh, this is gangland town. Like, you don't go here unless you are specifically looking to get shot. That's true, but it does imply that Toshi Station is must be just in the middle of nowhere. Oh, Toshi Station is basically like that gas station that you have to stop at on the 5. <laughs> when you're going up the Central Valley and you have to pull off at that first gas station right as you cross the big hills. To- yeah, from the, from the uh, as you're going north from the south, when you when you when you first are entering the Central Valley, you go up that huge hill set and then down into the valley, and you get to see that vastness out in front of you. Yeah, you're like, all right, it's time to go up the grapevine, and oh my god, there is nothing but desert forever. I'll stop here. But on the far on the left, right there, right as you go in, the biggest gas station in the world. <laughs> yeah, I can go to Love's gas station or whatever. Yeah, get some gas. And then there is nothing for, like, hours. Yeah, and you just got to pick up the weirdest drinks and stuff because you need them road snacks. Give them road snacks. A couple of them Arizona iced teas, which is just a glorified way to pay 99 cents for a can of water that someone farted near. Hey, still better than LaCroix. (laughs) Super true. I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying that whenever I buy in Arizona, I'm like, ooh, grape flavor. It's like grape suggestion would probably be a better name for it. I mean, I can have... They've got one that's like watermelon, and I go, yeah, this is like having a watermelon. It's mostly water, <laughs> and then some flavor in there the, a bit. The fruit punch ones are, are acceptable. The tea ones are garbage. Ugh. Like, I tried getting the Arnold Palmer Arizona iced tea once, and it was like, this tastes exactly like Arnold Palmer had walked by. <laughs> it is, it's sad, because I go, it tastes like iced tea that someone has watered down. Like, instead of half iced tea, half lemonade, it's half iced tea, half water, and someone squeezed a lemon into it. I wish. I should just bring a lemon along and squeeze one into it. It would make it taste a lot better. Oh, yeah, you should. Why are we talking about Arizona iced teas again? Oh, right, because... Uh, oh, right. It's my, it's my fault. <laughs> because, you know, that gas station is the Moss Eisley Cantina of the, California. The Toshi Station of California. I think the Moss Eisley Cantina is when you... That, Go to uh, Detroit? No, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's still in the Central Valley. We're, t- we're talking the Central Valley is entirely tatooine now oh, okay and the moss eisley is that that uh pullover you can do where they have like the in and out and the carl's jr and then that weird western museum that's oh, stuck yeah. out there that's that's definitely the most eisley it's a wretched wretched hive of scum and in and out <laughs> you go there because you have to because the in and outs there. there's, there's an in and out and you like you don't want to be there yeah and usually there's huge busloads of children there for some reason well yeah i mean if you live anywhere in the central valley you're like Where's our school field trip this year? Why, we're going to the In-N-Out. Yay! (laughs) Yay, we'll get to see travelers who don't live in the Central Valley. (laughs) Greetings, traveler. I'm going into battle, (laughs) and I require your strongest potions. (laughs) Uh, Well, your number is 47. Please take a seat. (laughs) In-N-Out, you are a scoundrel. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like fries with that, or to make that a (laughs) double-double? Ugh... Yeah, 
Anyway, uh, so <laughs> my cholesterol would kill you. <laughs> I tried to think of how the potion seller could be like, you know, uh, how, how you work that as an out person. Our double doubles are too strong for you. They would kill you. <laughs> you can't have it animal style. <laughs> my animal style is for actual animals. Far too strong for you, uh, local high school student. Lol. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck were we talking about? I don't Mos know, man. Why don't we? Okay. So, yeah, Luke's never been to Mos Eisley. Yeah. Has I, he been to Mos Espa? I don't know, probably. It's possible? I, mean, I feel Mos- like he hasn't been anywhere but Tashi Station and his shitty moisture farm. <laughs> if he'd been to Mos Espa, that'd be great. It's a wretched hive of scum, and you know what? It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's a wretched hive of Denny's and furniture stores. Look, they've got an olive garden. It's fine. <laughs> Mos Espa, we've got the Olive Garden. <laughs> Mos Espa, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> it's across the street from a Red Lobster, just like every Olive Garden, conspicuously. <laughs> uh, it's weird. It's very weird. So um, so what would you say is your favorite chapter? Like, Or I, would you say that your favorite chapter is also about your favorite character? No. I mean, given that I knew nobody from the cantina, like, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I got the complete omnibus of star wars nonsense and now i know the name of every one of these idiots Mm -hmm. so you know going in i knew nobody you mean you've never heard of woo her no i never heard of anyone in there not even greedo nope not even han solo (laughs) not even luke s kaiwalker (laughs) ah kaiwalker (laughs) so uh who was your favorite character in the cantina then uh well, I mean, before this, it was always Devil Guy. Devil Guy was 100% my favorite guy in the cantina. Labria is still pretty rad, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, he's he's a strong contender for the coolest guy in the cantina, even after you read his story. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, you see the cantina scene, and I'm like, that is a happy little devil, and I love him. Yeah. I love that he is here. And then you read his story, and you're like, oh, he's a happy little devil, and yeah. he loves that he's here. I mean, he's kind of a dick, and he's definitely a war criminal, but still. Oh, yeah. Oh, he loves him some jizz, though. <laughs> He certainly does. He's got a rare collection of jizz. He's a fiend for jizz. He's he is a jizz aficionado. He has a secret room hidden behind his shower for storage of jizz. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. right on the radiator. I just have a sock for that. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) You just made me think of that that My Little Pony thing. Uh, Yes, I did. I now I made everyone listening to it think of it. Most of them don't know what we're talking about, John. Very few people are as of the internet as you and I. It's true. (laughs) I I am from the internet. I'm here to help. So uh, what John's describing is some. Oh, don't don't let him look it up. Let him find out organically. You can find all about find out all about it at meatspin.com. <laughs> Look, if you're fed up of the two-party system, you need to go to lemonparty.org. <laughs> it's a party for a new generation. <laughs> you can't have a lemon party without old dick. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Favorite character. Is it still the De- the Devilronian guy? Probably. I mean, he does suffer from predator syndrome. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's got a real wicked case of predator stuff. It's funny because he comes fairly early enough in the book that you can be like, ah, I hate this predator guy. And then other people come along with even better stories about how good of predators they are. And you're like, oh, Labria. Yeah, but at least Labria's like, oh, I come from a predator thing and I could I could kill a guy. And I don't I don't care. And then he gets the shit beat out of him. So at least in his chapter, he's like, I'm a rad predator. Oops. 
I actually got my ass beat. <laughs> yeah, I like that he's fallible. A lot of the characters in the book are like, I'm the biggest superhero in the world. I'm hanging around in this shitty airport bar because I have a good reason to. <laughs> and then nothing happens. Like, yeah. we don't get fucking well, Jericho's comeuppance. Jericho doesn't even get out of his chair. I mean, he's almost definitely the worst character in the cantina. Ugh. I mean, it's hard to say for sure who has the most boring story, but in terms of not doing shit, Danic Jericho is the norm of the bar. Yes, he's the fucking worst. Yes. Like, I almost hate the, uh, what the fuck is the, uh... The Tonica twins? The Tonica sisters, yeah. Just because, Just they, because they're, they aren't even fake. the Tonica twisted? They're fake. <laughs> they were real. <laughs> I, okay, so you're going to say Labre is your favorite character in the cantina. Yep. All right, I, I'm totally down with that. I think he's a rad dude. I love that they kept his devil mask in, even though they got rid of the werewolf mask. <laughs> yep. I love him. I love that he's in there. I love his goofy smile. Everything's wonderful. Jeff. Yes, John. How can I help you? Jeff. Mm. What can I do for you, my friend? I'm going into battle. <laughs> well, then you'll need these strong potions. Oh, thanks. Indeed. <laughs> so... Favorite character in the cantina for you. You're one of those dumb Star Wars nerds. Did you know them beforehand? I knew every one of these characters before that beforehand, and a lot of them I already had action figures of them. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, so, I mean, not that I have my action figures anymore. I gave them to my brother, uh, or either that or I just moved out of the house and he got most of them. That or during your Dickensian urchin phase, you melted them with a fucking, like... I never actually tried to glass. break all my toys, although I did break them all routinely because I was a clumsy child. Oh, see, now, I was the kind of child that was like, I'm gonna Dr. Frankenstein this shit and, like, rip arms off and put them on other action figures. See, I was I figured you were the kind of child who wouldn't even have any toys. <laughs> no. Just a pillow and a tea set. No, I had I had action figures so that I could, like, be a horrible monster to them. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you my answer real quick. It's Momon Nadon. But, John, what kind of... Uh, what kind of rad action figures did you have okay so my favorite creation was i got the body of wolverine mm -hmm. had the head of captain america okay uh one arm was colossus one arm was shatterstar mm. and his legs i think were leonardo <laughs> so it's teenage mutant collapverintar yeah he was he was like i've got a whole bunch of these marvel things also a ninja turtle here we go <laughs> I never did any of that. I think the closest I ever came to that was, uh, you know how G.I. Joe used a rubber band to connect the top half to the bottom half? So if you were to spread the arms out of a regular G.I. Joe, you could kind of wind him up and let him spin back to normal. Uh -huh. I took one once, and I did everything in my power to affix rigid plastic wings to him and, and super glue his arms and, legs into or arms and legs into position and tried to turn him into a functional helicopter. <laughs> it was... Or, or at least the propeller for a, for a glider. I was like, I am going to build you into a prop for a glider. And he was too heavy. It never worked. Aww. But uh, it was like my dream in life. I kept trying to get bigger and lighter uh, pieces of rigid material to use as the, pro as the prop blades. Huh? Huh? I was like, I'm going to turn this. Just because he's got a little rubber band for a stomach, I'm going to make this thing fly. Uh, now, the only reason, well, not the only reason, because I'm a weird little kid. But one of the big reasons that Wolverine was the body is because the Wolverine action figure... When you open it up, he had a hollow plastic stomach, ah, so yeah. all of the limbs, you could like snap the middle back together and mm -hmm. then put the limbs back in. That makes sense, because otherwise you'd have to run into that, that molded issue where maybe it's got the wrong shape to go snapping back into the joint Oh point. yeah, or you have to like glue it in place, and that's yeah. no fun, because then you can't move the arms and legs around. See, I would have figured you were going with the Wolverine body, because he has regeneration and an adamantium skeleton. Oh no. I mean, that's, that's definitely... See, if I was going to use a Wolverine part and everything fixed, I would have done the uh, arms, because claws. Because that's where he keeps his rad claws. But truly, are the claws the most important? power of wolverine uh yes or is it the fact that he's <laughs> on every team ever 
that is his superpower, is being basically omnipresent. Even though he's the biggest loner ever, he's on every team. Mm-hmm. He's a weird character, John. It's a weird character for a weird age. I miss that time period very briefly where he was like a caveman. Oh, yeah. Back when he was like, oh, all the adamantium got ripped out of my skeleton. And what that did was turn me into a weird feral guy. And you're like, I don't see the one-to-one correlation It here. didn't last very long. You know, it was only a couple of episodes, issues where they did that. But for some reason, they started drawing him as more and more of like a cartoony caveman to the point where they were drawing him just without a nose. Oh, it, that whole phase got to the point where he had, like, ripped his costume and had it as, like, a bandana mask like he was a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah. He really did look like he belonged as a Ninja Turtle character. Oh, yeah. He was like, what are you? I'm a weird, like, feral thing with a mask and claws. I'm pretty much something you'd see Shredder shit out. <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> Toshi, Uh, get in here. Damn it. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't have had that Dimension X taco. (laughs) Uh, Call Dr. Ferlinghetti. I mean, at least he was up to, like, turn into a weird mutant man. Because at the same time period, everyone was trying out their armor costumes. That was that point in the mid-90s where it was like, Captain America was like, you know what I need? A big old armor suit. Well, yeah. I liked Spider-Man's before the Iron Spider. He had... Like a weird, it looked like a metal version of the Shocker's suit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why does it look like you're wearing a silver, like, pullover comforter? I think my, yeah, I remember that. That was a terrible armor suit. Also, Catwoman got an armor suit for a while in there that she had to use to fight a robot version of herself. Jeez. And her robot suit, of course, had big old tits and a belly button and a, uh, what do you call it, a camel toe? <laughs> it was just what you need when you're building a robo. Yeah, you're sitting there just putting some plates onto a robot, and you're like, Wait a minute. Hang on. This doesn't have a key slot where the vagina should be. (laughs) How are people going to know this is a girl bot Uh, if I don't build in some big puffy labia? Here we go. (laughs) So, uh, anyhow, uh, my favorite character in in the cantina was Momon Adon. I liked his story an awful lot, but I also kind of liked the character being sort of a a peace terrorist. (laughs) It was a weird it was a weird story that I appreciated. I liked that he had a direct connection to the Empire, but not necessarily a direct connection to a part of the Empire that we had already dealt with. It wasn't like he was like, I'm gonna join the rebellion because I hate Lord Vader. Oh yeah. I think that was probably one of the better things is he had that connection to the rebellion, which you kept getting in this, but instead of it being like, Oh, he finally learns the error of the Empire's ways, and he's going to put behind being a scoundrel and join the Rebellion. And instead it's like, oh, I've always fucking hated the Empire, and the only reason I'm here is because I tried to defy them. Mm Mm-hmm. But Uh, I choked, and then I tried to walk away. And I stumbled. (laughs) Though I tried to hide it, it's clear. My penis is detachable, and it's flopping in the sand right now. (laughs) So Momon Nadon, my favorite character in the the cantina. Momon Nadon's dick, my favorite running joke. (laughs) One of my favorite running jokes. Uh, but I think my favorite uh, story from the book was definitely the the Laxivrak Dysibagon. Oh, yeah. Uh, crazy time travel shenanigan story. Yeah, 100% between the two of us, that is definitely going to be the best story in there. Yeah, it's it's the one that's the most worth reading. It was a lot of fun. Although, I would say that uh, both Labria and Momon Adon's stories were also very fun to read. Yeah. So they're good characters, they're good stories. Uh, Laxivrak and Dysibagon is mostly the best story because some guy, some some amazing author was like, all right, what do I have to write about? Jesus Christ, are you kidding? Look at that shit. That just looks like shit. How is that even in Star Wars? That is the the worst uh, Halloween costume and some puppet. A, a sock with an arm in it? And you want me to write a love story? Oh, okay. You know what? 
fuck you i'm doing it this is gonna happen so uh so yeah great story overall um what would you say was the worst character a character, not story. Uh, worst character, probably. Uh, God, I can't even remember his name. The fucking cones guy. Oh, uh, uh, Feltapern Travag. Feltapern, the, that's the it. Go, the Gotal. Yeah, because he's just a smug douchebag. I mean, I actually kind of like that the the author didn't try to make him into a secret hero. It was no. just like, here's the story of a jerk being a fucking jerk, and at the end he gets his comeuppance because he was a jerk. Yep. So that was. I liked that, but the character, yeah, a jerk. No, he's a terrible character. He almost has Predator Syndrome, but instead of being a predator, he's just real proud of his cones. <laughs> well, who wouldn't be? He's just like, oh, you lesser beings without cones. <laughs> my cones are where I keep my soup. <laughs> <laughs> I got these soup cones. <laughs> I've, I've got an idea for a bake sale. Let's head on down to the fair, John. we got to open up a booth selling soup ca- cones. Soup cones here. We'll put it next to Pilo Cams. <laughs> soup waffle cones. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so you're saying the worst character in the story for you was Feltapern Travag. You think he was just a, a, a douche, not... Yeah, and his story as well was like, hey, hey, can you see this coming from, like, page two? Yes? Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I think that was me. Yeah. yeah. My least favorite character is gonna... I'm gonna go with Wooher. Does he have us all in check? <laughs> Wooher! He's got us all in check. There you go. There's the other running joke. There it is. Uh-huh. Which I still, I have trouble with that, because for some reason, when I heard the song in the first place, I thought it was Wuha, I got your ball in check. That's very strange. And I've always thought that, and every time I hear the song, I still hear that. And I think he was just talking about basketball. You know how when you're playing one-on-one, like, pickup ball, uh, you check the ball by bouncing it to them, and then they bou- uh, your opponent, and then they bounce it back to you? I thought that was what he was talking about. Like, Wuha, I have your ball in check right now, and then we're going to begin the game of pickup ball. Yeah. I have a similar problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's with a... New Kids on the Block song, mm-hmm. uh, Step by Step. Okay. Ooh, I, baby. I, I don't know that one off the top of my head. I, I pick up Step by Step, and then I only have the theme song to the TV show. I know. Yeah. But there's a point where he says, I really want you in my world, and I always hear it as Willy Wonka in my world. <laughs> I don't know why, but every time I'm like, Step by Step, Ooh, baby. Willy Wonka in my world. I mean, wouldn't you be happier if Willy Wonka existed in your world? Yes. Making delicious everlasting gobstoppers and various other delicious treats. You know, some uh, some scrum diddly umptious bars. Yeah. As of the moment, who could possibly take a rainbow and dip it in a dream, John? <laughs> Why, no one. <laughs> there's no one on earth who could do it because there's no Willy Wonka man. Exactly. And only Willy Wonka can. <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, It's because he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. <laughs> Just go in the fucking restaurant, Charlie. He's throwing candy out. You're just looking through the window. What, did he lock the door first? You're leaving candy on the table, you dumb poor kid. You're so poor, and you want so much candy, and you could have had it, but you choked. (laughs) Choked in the moment. (laughs) You saw it, you saw your moment, and you let it pass by. The moment he realized a musical number was starting in there, he should have just darted in. Yeah, he should have been like, yeah, me too. I also enjoy candy. (laughs) Please throw it over here. Yeah, I like to imagine he started, like, coming in the door, and then music stops, everyone turns to look at him, and he's just (laughs) quietly shuts it, goes back outside, and everything (laughs) starts back up again. (laughs) And they have to take a minute. One of them walks quietly over to the window and just pulls pulls down (laughs) the shade. shade. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear that coming from inside. (laughs) 
who can take a rainbow? Deny it to poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't know how we got there. What was the worst chapter? Uh, I don't know. I... I mean, in terms of functionality in the book, it's Hetna Kicks, the, the Jawa story. The, het- the Hetna Kicks story, the Jawa thing just motherfucker screwed everything up it drags a little bit and uh, ultimately it, it, it's just sort of ah, i'm a jawa and i wish i wasn't and, and i hate when that's the, your main character of the story of a story is like i'm an alien I have, i'm from an interesting alien species but i think i'm more of a human type yeah you're like oh i wanted to get a cool perspective on this thing whereas i think it's definitely the fucking soup story yeah that shit does nothing and sucks would you like to hear a random dude brag about how cool he is while occasionally whispering soup to himself for 24 pages no i i don't need to go find some homeless guy on the street and sit next to him for a while (laughs) i'll tell you what one thing for sure i definitely killed a bunch of jedi alabama alabama is where i killed a bunch of jedi soup soup (laughs) yeah that's that's not something i need this chapter is pointless nothing happens and there's no reason for him to do anything. Yeah, no, it's like, what's he even doing in the bar? Like, we're just, it's just boring. Yeah. And, and the whole thing, he's just one of those untouchable threat type characters where he's like, one time a man denied me my proper prize, so I ate his soup. <laughs> and his soup was delicious, except it didn't taste very good because he was a bad person. I like the soup of good people. Soup. Ugh. It's like, okay, I get it. You're great. Whatever. Do a thing. Oh, no. Standing up from the from the stool is the last thing I want to do. The bar's still open. <laughs> this stool has my butt groove in it. <laughs> it took forever for Danik to find his butt groove again. <laughs> uh, get it? Yeah, it's, really yeah. ter- it's a really terrible reference to an old thing. I get it. Yay. John, you want to do some questions and answers? Or do you- Let's do it. When we have okay, one more thing before we get into that. No, how, of the first three books, how would you rank them so far? Um, fuck. I'd honestly, I think I'd put this first. So, in terms of the quality of the book that you mean, like in terms of how fun it was to read it, not not in terms of how much fun it is to make fun of it on a podcast. Yeah, like I would rather have read this book than the other two. <laughs> <laughs> like at least this book, I can go through and be like. Okay, every chapter I get to something else, so if I read a shitty chapter, I know something else is coming. Mm -hmm. Whereas, when I'm reading about the fucking Crystal Star, I'm like, that was a shitty chapter, and boy howdy, there are 200 more pages of this. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, that's that's all I needed to hear. You can start with the questions now. It Uh, won't hurt my feelings. (laughs) I will hurt all of your feelings. I'm coming for your feelings, bro. No, I'm going to bury them down deep. (laughs) So deep. (laughs) So deep, put my ass to sleep. (laughs) Shoot, i got to stand up and walk around a little. All right, so we got some questions here. We've pulled them from a couple different sources. Questions. Questions that need answers. Questions for (laughs) Spider-Man. All right. uh, Coming from Twitter, at Inferno Steve had a couple of questions. Uh, First one, very good. Where's the dude going, I'm so badass. My species evolved from prey. I'm so much more aware of surroundings, so I'm a great bounty hunter. I mean, I think that's probably Momon Adon. It's not like he spends all of his time doing that. But, I mean, he's a slug. He's a giant slug. Well, I mean, he's the most prey of them. Well, that and the Jawa. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hetna Kick is definitely derived directly from some kind of prey. The problem is, both of them are like, man, it's so sad that my whole race is fucking pacifistic little prey animals. I hate that. 
it would be kind of neat to encounter a character that's straight up like, yes, because of my wide omnidirectional vision, no one can sneak up on me. Also, my ears twitch at the sight of, uh, the, the uh, slightest sign of danger. Yeah, I mean, that would be great if you're like, I'm the world's greatest bounty hunter, because whenever I get near a dangerous person, oh, I start freaking the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, I think technically the character in Star Wars that is that is Jax. Uh, he's not in the Mos Eisley Cantina, of From course. Mortal Kombat? Yes, Jax from Mortal Kombat. It, it's it's unusual to note that Jax is not a human, but actually a highly advanced caribou with cybernetic punch arms. <laughs> Good. It doesn't come up very often. Not very often, no. No. Uh, no, I, Jack's the Green Rabbit. He's a uh, oh yeah. Remember him? He's a character. He's a lepus as a species. I think it is. Yeah, I remember. But, but I mean, he's basically just a rabbit man who's very proud of being a rabbit. He's man. just a rabbit man. <laughs> he's just a green rabbit man. But uh, yeah, there are some prey. There are some prey species out there who are proud of it. Another one is Borskphalia from the the Thrawn books, who's a Calabop, which is a big bird. Basically, like, he looks literally like Big Bird. Oh, good. Yeah. That's what I want in life. And his species is very proud of the fact that they're basically, you know, birds. They're big, cool birds. I'm a big, cool bird. Uh, also, I guess you, you, you could come up with whatever Bothans are, are descended from, because they're kind of like horse people. Are they? Because it really depends on what you look at. Well, it's true. Sometimes they're like cat people. The first drawing of a Bothan ever is from one of the West End Star Wars line books, and it looks like a dude with, like, a full, all-the-way-around beard. Yeah. <laughs> He's he, got one of those Civil War beards. Well, yeah, he's just got a big old, he looks a lion mane face. Ah. And it's just like, just some dude with a lion mane. And then every time someone drew them, they gave them a little more snouty, a little more furriness, to the point where now they're like half dog, half horse dudes. Yeah. And I'm sure that if you ever, if the new current ones had to go back in time and talk to that old one, you'd get that moment from that DS9 episode. <laughs> ah. He is a Bothan, and we do not discuss it with outsiders. Actually, we don't discuss anything with outsiders. We're all spies. All of us. Every single one of us. Except him. Except him. He's he's a lion man man. <laughs> uh, he also has another question, which is, y'all, who would Dwayne the Rock Johnson play in a Star Wars movie? Now, that is a good question, but it's really tough to answer. That part of the problem you deal with with Dwayne, the, the B-Rock, Islamic shock, Super Allah, Hussein, <laughs> Hussein uh, Johnson, is that he's got such an imposing physical presence and unusual look to him that the natural inclination is to make him some kind of cool alien. Yes. But I don't want to put him behind a mask because the dude acts almost entirely with his the upper half of his face. <laughs> exactly. I I feel like you could make him, if you were doing one of the shitty expounded universe things, like, Expans hey. <laughs> one, of our, one of our podcasts. Yeah, one of those. Because well, you didn't say expanded, so. Yeah, one of the expanded universe stories where it was like, what's this? He's a pilot and a Jedi, and he also blew up a secret Death Star that no one knew about. And you're like, okay, I can see The Rock playing him. But he did it all for his wife and kids. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, ultimately, you, there's not really a lot of muscle dudes in Star Wars. I think I think the real answer is Gunk Mudboat is who <laughs> The Rock would be playing. Uh, okay, I, here's, I, I would probably say a the evil brother of Jango Fett. Because <laughs> ah. here's the thing, they're, they're both uh, Pacific Islander, uh, and, and they're also both Man they would also both be at that point Mandalorian. And Mandalorian has always been kind of a nebulous, what are these guys? They're kind of humans with buzz cuts. And I would like it if they kind of defined them as, as you know, uh, any actor playing a Mandalorian who's a self-avowed Mandalorian would be, uh, like, Pacific Island of Descent would be would be super cool. Oh yeah. So if he could be like the evil brother of Jango Fett who turns into a villain for for Boba Fett at some point, like in a Boba Fett movie, I would love that. Yeah, I mean he could be like, 
you're an abomination. Yeah. My brother died, and you are an affront to his memory. A clone. I, I've I've dedicated my life to hunting down clone troopers that were clones of him, and I finally coming for you, the 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 unimproved clone. This should be the easiest one of all. Yeah. And he's like kept himself alive with like various cybernetics and stuff, so he's got like a big metal shoulder or something. Well, I mean, it can be a younger Boba Fett. Like, what is this? Twenty year old Boba Fett. The Rock is just the age that he is. That would be perfectly fine. Yeah, I would totally see that. His name would be like Durgo Fett or something. <laughs> Yeah, Durgo the Hut Fett. <laughs> Durgo the Hut Fett. That's his name. Yeah, Durgo the Fett Life. <laughs> Here's a picture of me with my nipples tied together. <laughs> I'm curious about hyperinflation. Very curious. <laughs> uh, so there you go. There are our answers for Inferno, Steve. We have also from the Twitter at Ogma the Lesser asks. Is this book or Hunters of Dune the greater Kevin J. Anderson crime? <laughs> uh, having, having never read any Dune, not even just Dune at all, it's, ever. It's Hunters of Dune. Hunters of Dune is... The, Kevin J. Anderson romping around in the Star Wars universe is bad because he's a bad writer, but there's a lot of other bad writers also in there goofing around and playing with shit and messing things up. Well, yeah, he just sort of gets lost in the noise. Exactly. Where with the Dune series, after... I mean, to be fair, Frank Herbert lost his fucking mind over the course of his six books. True. By the time you get to Chapter House Dune, it's just some nonsense. I mean, there's fucking... It's a book set like 80,000 years in the future, and there's nothing left that you can... Or from the first book, I mean, not yeah. even from the history of Earth. There's nothing really left that's, that's recognizable of civilization, and then they run into some Jews. It's the best. It's the craziest. It's so weird. But but uh, the only people who have been really allowed to go into the Dune universe and fuck around and write all these stories about how they had to have a ro war with robots at one point and shit like that are Kevin J. Anderson and Frank Herbert's son, Brian Herbert. And I, I'm pretty sure the two of them co-wrote Hunters of Dune, which, while I haven't read, I've read the synopses, and I don't even need to read it to know that it's worse than anything Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there you go. Hunters of Dune. Definitely worse. Definitive answer. Yeah. Now, to be fair, you could also throw the fact that Kevin J. Anderson wrote a ton of licensed X-Files uh, expanded <laughs> universe novels into that mix, uh, at which point I'm sure John would start to get a little, a little angrier. Oh, that would be great. I could not <laughs> wait to see that. Like some weird character that comes in and is like, I'm here to save Mulder and Scully. I'm the best badass. <laughs> I'm Skulmer. I've di I've discovered 15 races of aliens. Man, that just sounds like a Pokemon. Skulmer. Skulmer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Skulmer has evolved into Smoking Man 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, old friend of the show, Nicholas Cheeses. Oh, oh Nicky Q. Cheezo? Uh, he has the question, while the cantina scene would be boring if Luke walked into an empty room, is it ever brought up in the fiction why this random dive bar has live music and a full house in the middle of the afternoon? What would you suggest as to why? Well, okay. First of all, it's not, we really have to look at the name of the bar, uh, to get an answer for why the place is so packed. Although I can't explain the live music thing. Uh, it's not, it's not just a random dive bar. The name of the bar is Chalmun's Airport Cantina. <laughs> So this place is actually adjacent to the airport, which is why, or spaceport rather, which is why this is so popular. This is this place is full of people who are on their way onto or off of spaceships, and people who are information brokers and gatherers because they're pulling in information from off wor off world from all the people who are traveling in and out. Now the reason why it would be so packed in the middle of the afternoon is that's when you need to get out from underneath the two suns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it's absolutely at its hottest, you go in there and you order water, and depending on which chapter it is, it's either free or really expensive. <laughs> 
because <laughs> Greedo orders it, and he's all like, yes, I have the coin for water, for I am Greedo, the greatest bounty hunter in all the world. Oh, I've shot. So oh, do. But then another guy orders water because he doesn't feel like drinking and just gets free water. So who knows? I forget which character it was that ordered the water the second time. Uh, as to why there's live music in there, I don't know. I think that might be one of those things where Star Wars technology is different. Uh, I mean, we do get the idea that like this is supposed to somehow pacify the customers make them happy for some reason oh that is true they do mention in the bith chapter in the chapter about the band that the band's really good at at keeping loyal or, or uh tension settled yeah through live music so maybe that's something that's absolutely a necessity on such a gang riddled planet yeah when you have like what is this everyone in my bar is just ready to start murdering at a drop of a hat mm-hmm. so you're like all right we need dudes who can play music that will make it so you don't want to murder people, which is why it's like, no one's like, oh, I got to start murdering to this. Yeah, only Han gets away with murder to that kind of nonsense. Oh, yeah. Everyone else is like, oh, man, no one's playing like Battle Without Honor or Humanity or some cool music from the Blade soundtrack or something. (laughs) How am I supposed to get my Ride of the Valkyries going? (laughs) How am I supposed to get my kill shits going? (laughs) Instead, it's just happy cantina times. Where's my kill shit fuck boner? Can we put some Lords of Acid or some shit on here? Please, Dust Brothers anything. Come on. I can't pull out my cool weapon and go to town unless I'm definitely hearing Baby's Got an Atom Bomb. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, also... Or maybe calling all freaks. Even though the name is Chalman's, like, Spaceport Cantina, it is also referred to as The Moss Eisley Cantina, which makes me feel like it's the only one. I like to think it's just the good one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go to the other no, Moss no Eisley go to, Cantina. No one go to Dewey's. <laughs> Dewey's Moss Eisley Cantina is garbage. No live music, just a jukebox. Jukebox is not loaded with nothing but Bob Seger. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pool table, but it's only got like eight of the balls. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, all right. So next up from Continuity Officer... We have, your show has forced me to think about the Moss Eisley Cantina a lot more than I have ever had to before, and I've come to realize it's a really dumb name. A bar in New York isn't called the New York Bar. I guarantee you there is one. I 100% guarantee you. I mean, even if not the New York Bar, which there definitely is, there is definitely like the Brooklyn Bar or whatever. Yeah. Uh, But given you two clearly have the most expertise in the cantina of everyone in the world, what would you name it instead? Well, I mean, first of all, let's start by establishing why it's called that. I mean, it is called Char- Chalman's Spaceport Cantina. But when we call it the Mos Eisley Cantina, that's just what everyone in town calls it. And it's because it's the cantina in Mos Eisley. It's, New York is a huge place, so there's going to be a million bars, so you can't get away with calling one the New York Bar. But if you were to look at a city like, I don't know, Texahoma, which is a little tiny city with like 300 people on it on the border of Texas and Oklahoma, I guarantee you there's a bar in there called the Texahoma. <laughs> like, there's no way there isn't. Oh, yeah. So uh, so it, it makes sense that it's a tiny bar so it can have a dumb name, because who gives a shit? What are you going to do, go to Dewey's? No one goes to fucking Dewey's. <laughs> All they have is Street Fighter II ripoffs in there. Dewey's doesn't even have appetizers. They just have those fucking peanuts. Yeah, you go in there to play video games, and there's nothing but an ancient, unworking cop- copy of that Simpsons arcade cabinet and a bunch of claw machines. <laughs> Asshole. Fucking Elvira pinball. <laughs> oh, I play Elvira Pinball. Don't, don't you fret about that. No, no, not at all. I would be in line behind you to play Elvira Pinball, and I would spend the entire time looking at her rad bosoms. <laughs> her her spooky bosoms. <laughs> that spooky rack. <laughs> so, uh, okay, what would we name it instead, though? 
Okay, if I'm naming the Moss Eisley Cantina something else, mm-hmm. I gotta call it probably like the Sand Dunes. Ooh, I like that. It kind of, it's got kind of a Vegas thing to it. Yeah, because right now I'm thinking, well, they got live music, so you get in some like Rat Pack style shit. Mm-hmm. You, you class up the joint. You have more actual gambling going on in there. Basically, what I'm going to turn it into is whatever the other one was that got raided by uh, the Empire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I can't remember what her actual cantina thing was called. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That one. The one that has gambling, blackjack, and hookers. That one. <laughs> also, I would really like to get some more Rat Pack style music in there for sure. Like, if you could have just Frank Sinatra Jr. out in front of the cantina band, all like, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink at this here bar. <laughs> it's really good, and it's really cheap, and we've also got live boxing. I I would really want one of those when you're walking down the strip in Vegas, how every single place has like this speaker announcer telling you to come in, mm-hmm. but it's the most monotone, blandest thing, so it would just be like, please come into the Sand Dunes Bar here in Moss Eisley. We've got the loosest slots. I cannot enter, for I am a droid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just some droid standing out front. Hello, and welcome to the Sand Dunes Cantina. Where I am not allowed. Come in, have a drink, for I cannot. <laughs> Take my seat. Uh, yeah, okay, I, I, given the clientele, I'd probably call it something like the Predator's Lair. <laughs> oh my god. Just so it could be really smug it up a lot more, and just, if the place was a little more appealing to its market of predators, I mean, I know Lack and, and, and Dice both managed to get drinks that were like, ooh, I'm drinking clarified bantha blood, and I have a mug of loose organs. I've but got I, mug root beer with organs in it. I think it'd be great if they really leaned in on that, and so it was like, all the arcade games were just that hunting game you see in, like, modern pizza restaurants, and, ah. like, uh, there'd be, like, hamster wheels so you could run around on them to your heart's content, and... Uh, just just everything was themed towards Predators, because the place is already full of uh, people claiming to be Predators anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, all the food that you order, <laughs> you press a button, order food, a slot opens on the ceiling, and a dangle ham comes down. Ooh, Ooh dangle ham. <laughs> now I have to fight off the other denizens of this bar for this dangle ham. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Predators lair, and or the sand dunes, your choice. Yeah, either one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could also see it going the other direction and just being called, like, the rabbit cave or something, so that's like, oh, I'm chasing after prey. Oh, here. I, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like the unguarded neck. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the unguarded neck. <laughs> Carpe jugulum. Yeah, that's see, that's another really good name. Yeah. All can- right, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. We've got from Freaky Mutant Man. When Greedo and Han first meet that fateful day on Nar Shadda, instead of coming to hate him. Greedo falls head over heels for the dashing smuggler. Things proceed mostly the same from there, except Greedo can't stop thinking about Han's chiseled manly face. At the cantina, Greedo still stops Han before he can leave, but this time, Greedo's holding a bouquet of space flowers instead of a blaster. How does this scene and the rest of Star Wars change now that this encounter starts with Greedo asking Han on a date? It doesn't start with Greedo asking Han on a date, first of all. He's getting ready to, to hand out that bouquet of flowers to Han Solo when suddenly Han pulls a bouquet of flowers first. <laughs> He's like, I've got a question to ask you. Yeah? Well, would you go out with me? Yeah, that's what happens. Han asks first. Han asks first. That's, that's just the rules. Yeah. Han don't wait around to be asked for things. Han doesn't let people ask him out. Han makes a decision and acts on it. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, obviously, at that point, he asks Greedo first. Greedo is elated. The two of them do that that dance move from uh, we call it Dirty Dancing or whatever, where it like, holds him holds him up over his head. Oh yeah, but then Danic Jericho eats the soup of Greedo and is like, "No, that's my sexy man." <laughs> And then he, Danic Jericho, having eaten Greedo's soup, is shot by Davin Felth, who could not believe how athletic Han looked. Exactly. <laughs> it's just this line of people killing to get to Han. He's just like, huh. Conga line of turned on sexy dudes fighting over Han Solo, and he's just lying there, sitting there in the cantina with both arms up and the feet on the table like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah, this happens. Anywhere I go. I'm used to this. <laughs> Eventually, he just leaves. He's like, you guys figure it out and let me know how it happens. I got to take these two idiots to Alderaan. But I'll come back for the winner. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I run into Kira. <laughs> Kira, have Kira. You, wait, have you seen the solo movie yet? No. Oh, then you don't even know who Kira is. I haven't seen shit. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so, yeah, that's what that's the way it would happen. Han would ask first. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Sir Phobos. You described Danik Jericho as being very white wolf, and that got me thinking. What if all the protagonists of each short story in the Moss Eisley Cantina could be described as something you could play from a game reviewed, reviewed on System Mastery? Excluding West End Star Wars, you lazy gits. <laughs> okay, so John, we're going to be doing all of this in Saga Star Wars. Okay, we're going to be all, doing all of this in the FFG Star Wars. Haha, <laughs> 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 ha, there are two more Star Wars RPGs. Yeah, suck it down. <laughs> No, it's fine. I don't know, I know we could do all of them. Well, there's... I mean, obviously, uh, Sivrak is from Werewolf. <laughs> yeah, Sivrak's from Werewolf. Uh, Dice Ibagon is from Nightbane. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, okay. What are we going to do? You've, if... got, uh, you've got Demon. <laughs> I don't know that they all need to be from White Wolf properties. No. I mean, you could keep going down the line of White Wolf properties. But I'm like, I'm just going to do all the White Wolf properties first. <laughs> I mean, obviously... Uh, What's his nuts? Fucking uh, the bartender. Wooher is a Promethean. Because <laughs> he can't stay in any one place for too long because society hates everyone him. Everyone hates him. Everyone does hate for him. For no so. reason, everyone hates him. He's like, <laughs> oh, they just hate humans. No, it's you. Yeah. Uh, I think Labria would be from Beast. Oh, no. I was saying Labria is demon. Oh, he's demon. Okay, fine. I was going to say he's from Beast because you, you're supposed to like him because he's a well-written character who's fun and friendly, but when you look to the, what he actually was like, he's a total asshole who's irredeemable and there was no reason they should have written that book. Oh, no. I mean, technically, that would be Danik. He's just like, oh, everyone loves me and they all want to fight with me, but I'm better than them. And you're like, no. I'll, I'll teach them lessons by fucking killing them. <laughs> <laughs> by this book, it's even edgier than the last book that we wrote that was super edgy. Gah. Ugh. <laughs> uh, okay, who else is in the chat? Okay, in there that so needs it? Uh, obviously uh, the little bat and the moth guy. Uh, yeah, okay, so we're talking from uh, the after the bomb. Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. So they're they're a mutant mat, um, uh, mutant moth. moth and a mutant bat. Yeah, I can see that. God, I can't remember their names. That's killing me. The uh, the towels went ahead and put a lot of points into size. Muftak, Muftak, and Cabe. Yeah, Muftak was like, I'm going to spend a lot of bio-E on size. Yeah, and then, of course, Cabe had to spend a ton of bio-E to move her hands from being full wings into into partial into full human hands. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, neither of them took speech full. But they did go full bipedal. Yeah. And neither of them took human looks. Yeah, now, human looks was at none, which is the smart play in After the Bomb. I don't even know why it's still an option. Yeah. Why would you want to look like a human in a world where humans aren't really a thing? Oh, yeah, you're like, oh, here I am, surrounded by mutant animals. I look like a dude, okay? <laughs> and... <laughs> 
I love that after the bomb still has the sexy human race that you can play as. Oh, yeah, as the sex bunnies? The sex bunnies where it's like, what do you do? I look like a total human, except I want to have sex with you. Oh, good. Great. All right, great. Well, who do you going to have sex with? I don't know, that walking hound dog over there, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here specifically for the human clientele. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, okay, that leaves us with Greedo, uh, Feltapern Trevag. Uh, I mean, I, Greedo I, feels like he's from that, uh, the fucking one with all the weird aliens. Oh, uh, one of the ones that we've covered? Yeah. Uh, it could be anything. It could be at least from, like, Ravenstar or something like that. But uh, honestly, any one of them could just be from Riff's phase world. Where it's, it's just like very true. Just, uh, I'm so ugly alien. Oh, honestly, the entire cantina is just Riff's. There's 40 RCCs wandering around in here, and every one of them is some variation on Vagabond with green skin and a horn. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, and then uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the Tonica sisters are from EverQuest. <laughs> the D20 EverQuest. Yep. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I think it's very obvious. <laughs> I see no further reason to explain this. No, I think because they're so military fetish, they're probably from Phoenix Command. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So uh, so there you go. That's a whole bunch of them. I don't know what else you want. If you had any particular one you wanted to know, you'll have to get us oh, on Twitter. Oh, Feltapern Travag is from Haven, City of Violence. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. He goes by the street name Milk Baby. He's not a killer. He just goes by the name Milk Baby. <laughs> he just wants some milk. Baby. <laughs> hey, baby. I want some milk, baby. <laughs> uh, all right. And our final question uh, comes to us from at Jen underscore Ironicus. Of all the Rebellion agents, future Rebellion members, and Rebellion-friendly characters across the Cantina stories, who was the most important asset? Who had the biggest impact on the history of the galaxy? Oh, that's actually a very interesting question. That's why I left it for last. Yeah. Now, okay, so... Let's talk about the various Rebellion agents. You've got, uh, what's his name, Ridge Winward. Uh, he's the one from the Tonica Sister story. Yeah, we've got uh, Rincewind, and yeah. he's from the Tonica Sisters. You've got the one from the Muftak and Cabe story. Uh, his, he's got a more complicated name, uh, but we don't really know what he... Oh, he's probably the most important one, whatever his name was, uh, because he was the one who, who was delivering stolen plans directly to General Dodonna through Muftak and Cabe. Yeah, uh, because Ridge Windward escapes with a chunk of the Death Star cannon, but you know what? They never defeat the Death Star by focusing on its fucking cannon. Well, they figure out what's going on with that. I mean, I was going to say the one that lets the Tonica sisters out of jail, that one. It's the same guy. It's, yeah. he, he's the guy who escapes with a chunk of their cannon. Yeah, that's what I was saying, is he? you could make a good case for that, but honestly, you could make a very good case for... Uh, the Wolfman as well. Black Sivrak? I, I, He's in fucking all of the movies. Yeah, but all he ever does in any of the movies is time travel briefly in there, whine about how much he wants to fuck some eel, and then leave. <laughs> Even when he's like, all right, I will dedicate my life to one glorious cause of vac of destroying the shield generator. Oh, never mind. It blew up right before I got there. Fuck me. Oh, actually, it's the Stormtrooper because Davin he fell. kills the guy who would have killed Han. Yeah, that's right. He takes out Lieutenant Alima before Alima can kill Han. Uh, and, and allows Han's escape. So that's a really big, important and one. And if Han wasn't able to escape, then you would have had Luke and uh, Obi-Wan staying behind. Trapped on planet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, there's also, very briefly, a... Uh, I forget the name of the species, but it's the uh, an Arcona. There's an Arcona character who briefly shows up during the Moisture t uh, Farmer's Tale storyline. Uh, no, it's not. It's during the Boshek story. Yeah. Uh, there's an Arcona who shows up who bought Luke Skywalker's Landspeeder. If he had not bought Luke Skywalker's landspeeder, Luke would not have been able to afford passage off of uh, Tatooine. But he's not a rebel, a rebellion agent. That wasn't the question. <laughs> he's just a car buyer. He's just a dude with some money. <laughs> I guess that's fair enough. 
No, I, I would say it's it's. I can't remember his name, but the guy from uh, the Muck Siver, uh, uh, Lax, God damn it, Muftak and Cave story because he actually has important information on uh, Imperial movement. That oh, you know who else is a really good choice is Davin Felth. Uh, Davin Felth tried like crazy to to uh, strengthen the Empire by telling them how weak the ATAT was, uh, and then w- he was unable to do so because of the evils of Veers or whoever. Yeah, uh, and so uh, he, but he's the one who kills Alima. Yeah, so to no, stop him. So we're saying Alima. So, yeah, I'm saying Felth. Is Felth all the way. 100 percent the rebellion agent that has the biggest impact on the story. Yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah, because he also once he joins the rebellion, I guess it's assumed that he because he gives them the information yeah. of. Dude, they have a weak underbelly and shitty feet. Put fucking like uh, projectile launchers that shoot harpoon guns onto, onto snow speeders or whatever, and you'll be able to just knock them over like big old tin cans. Yeah. He so, gives them the weakness for the ATA. Yeah. Yes. It, enabling their escape on the, from the Hoth moon base. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, Davin Felth. It's Davin Felth. Yeah, he 100% had the hugest impact of anyone in this book. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's a fun thing to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, Davin Felth. It wasn't Woo Her. It wasn't Ridge Windward. Nope. Mm-hmm. It was uh, just some stormtrooper. Just some stormtrooper. So it's just Finn all over again. <laughs> Except, was... uh, to be fair, what has Finn done yet, really? 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 Like, for sure. Like, what has he actually done? What have you done? What have you done, Finn? What have you done for me lately? What have you done, sir? S- sir Finn? Sir Finn? I mean, bri- he did briefly hold off Kylo Ren from killing Rey in the first movie. And in the second movie, he uh, learned some important lessons, which I'm sure will be very important he in the third movie. He learned some important lessons. He did, because what does he do? He wakes up. Uh, he tries to get to Ray because he's got like that beep device and he doesn't want her to go right to it. <laughs> that beep device. I forget what it is specifically. Uh, but then he goes to Canto Bite with uh, with, with uh, Rose. Yeah. And they don't do anything important there. They just learn lessons. They they realize that they they're like the Empire sucks and and, and so is war in general. We don't like warmongers. Uh, and then they they get picked up by BJ, one of my favorite or DJ, whatever his name DJ. is. DJ. DJ. Don't join. Uh, don't join. Uh, who who takes them all the way back? I, I guess at that point he gets in a cool fight with uh, Phasma. Yeah. And that's probably the most useful thing he does in that movie. Kill Phasma? He kills off Phasma, yeah. yeah. So so there you go. If she's dead. I, I assume she is. Oh, I mean, you would hope so. One, one certainly would hope. All right, so there you go. Uh, most important character, Davin Felf. There you are. And uh, that's all of our questions. That's everything except for one last little detail. Yep, yeah, we have our next book. I am ready to announce it. And, John, I am going to announce it by just reading the back cover real quick. Here we go. What up? It's hmm. your boy. <laughs> On a far distant moon, your boy, Skinny Penis, <laughs> broods in anger. Uh, though Darth Vader and the Emperor are dead, the Empire lives on, and a weakened alliance must find powerful. Wow, this has a this has a typo on the back. Good. It says pw- powerful. I am so looking forward to this. Must find powerful new help if it is to survive. Uh, the answer could lie in the Hapes Consortium, a cluster of 63 high-tech worlds. There is only one catch. Princess Leia must marry the Queen Mother's son, the dashing and wealthy Prince Solder. Han Solo reacts badly to the news. Tricking Leia, he flees with her to the beautiful but untamed planet of Dathomir, where he hopes to change her mind and win her heart. Meanwhile, Luke Skywalker and R2 form an unlikely partnership with the Jilted Prince, to track down the runaways. But their mission is only the beginning of an adventure that will lead to the discovery of an awesome treasure, a group of force-trained witches, and a showdown with an invincible foe. And the book is The Courtship of Princess Leia Woo! by Dave Wolverton. 
Uh, people have been asking for this one quite a bit because it's people love all the character assassination of Leia. There seems to be in all these books, uh, and all, but we love Dave Wolverton so far. He wrote the Momon Adon story. Yeah, well, you know, can't win them all. <laughs> That's true. So tune in next week for the first two chapters of Star Wars: The Courtship of Princess Leia. And until such time, follow us for our bonus content. Yes, we're still doing it, even though we didn't read anything this week. Yeah. We'll figure it out. That's what we do for you. Yeah, that's right. You pay for it, you get it. That is correct. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Until then, I've been Elan Begano, and I love Death Sticks. And joining the Rebellion. Rebellion.